welcome to the beaten track. I am Joseph Bullock, and I'm joined as always by Louis Baker. Hello, Joe. You're right. Yes, I'm. I'm very well, thank you, Louis. Um, excited as always to bring everyone a show on one of the the great bands, one of the one of the best, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And and today we've also got the reintroduction of we're actually doing a topic today. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of forgot that that was a thing, really. But now it's, it's back. I like it. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, yeah. Well, well, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm not sure how much we'll get out of this topic, but it is a topic. It's there. We can put it in the title of the show. It's going to be good. So yeah, it makes the little like title thing look a bit better. I think. Yeah, it goes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like we're well, until you listen to it. It sounds like we're, but we're very much offering like a broad, knowledgeable approach to. You know, we know everything about the genre, about the artist. We, I don't think we offer a broad and knowledgeable, knowledgeable approach to anything. Wow. That, that's for other people to decide, I feel. And um, today, Louis, we are talking Dream Pop and the amazing uh, Cocteau Twins' sixth album, Heaven or Las Vegas, which is um, their most famous and arguably the most famous sort of dream pop album out there really i mean i think we'll get into the sort of the vagueness of the genre descriptor i think maybe because there's a number of albums that may or may not be equally popular dream pop albums or they may not be dream pop albums etc but i mean i think no one would argue that the cocktail twins are you know one of the most influential artists in the genre so um, but first, we'll talk about what what it actually means. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, when I think um, dream pop, I generally just think Cocteau Twins, um, and then after that, I think, as you mentioned, then it maybe starts to cross into other like genres and stuff. Like you, you start to get sort of shoegaze, yeah, uh, and then like sort of My Bloody Valentine. Um, but it feels like the Cocteau Twins kind of set the sort of the sort of template, I guess, and the foundations of of what sort of dream pop is. And then and then in the in the nineties it kind of became something more, you know, that my bloody Valentine are a bit more kind of sludgy and and uh, more about sort of distorted guitars and stuff like that. But yeah, I think there's kind of I guess dream pop is all about this sort of like kind of very fluid sound there's a lot about mood and atmosphere over sort of like like sort of like like specifics and like boundaries as to as to how the sound is and it's more about kind of yeah I don't know it a lot of it kind of blends into one a little bit and, and that's why maybe I struggle to sort of like separate I always think of Cocteau Twins even though I know all the dream pop artists but I, I, the sound kind of almost blends into one because it is all quite kind of quite fuzzy and quite um quite fluid uh but yeah um cocktail twins that's what i think of when i think dream pop yeah i think because you know you have certain bands that do sort of toe the line and i think what they do what gives it the sort of the angle of pop um not in like the the sense of like popularity or but they've got the kind of the influences from like jangle and indie pop etc that the melodies in Cocteau Twins songs are incredibly strong. They're all kind of, yeah, I think it is mainly the sort of melodic aspect of the music because 
instrumentally, you know, a lot of similarities with Shoegaze are present, heavy use of reverb on pretty much all the instruments, um, you know, lots of different effects, pedals, etc. This kind of ethereal, um, sort of spacey kind of sound. But I think what Liz Fraser managed to do with her vocals and with melodies is kind of, I think, influenced a lot of artists who perhaps lean into the the poppier angle and the more perhaps more of an emphasis on songwriting than than other artists who were willing to sort of go more with this sort of a, the harsher side of of some of the effects etc or or the more sort of instrumental i mean yeah that's why i think my bloody valentine you you, you can look at some of the songs on like loveless and they have similarities but then they are there there's this sort of sludgy thing yeah the kind of complete immersion in um in the instrumentals and in the mix um but, but of course cocktail twins one of the things about them is they do have that um that ethereal quality and that otherworldly quality because um as is frequently sort of noted or whatever it's very difficult to to tell what uh, liz fraser is actually singing about um mm. not not in a bad way uh, at all because i think she's got one of the best voices that you know the sort of indie world has to offer really i mean it's it's incredible so yeah i mean I yeah i think there's Sorry. there's that like sort of um slightly sort of detached feeling around that with the fact that it's kind of a bit sort of introspective i guess with that sort of sense of um maybe not being able to understand and that's sort of adds to the kind of um the mystical sort of side of it and the, the otherworldly side of it as you were as you were saying but the one the other thing i think about dream pop probably more so than shoegaze but shoegaze as well uh, that i think like feminine femininity is quite a big part of it i mean particularly in sort of vocal um styles and stuff more so than any other sort of alternative like um uh, sort of genre or category but like the bands tend to be dominated by um female vocalists female artists all around um and i guess i think I think well, I maybe talk about Kate Bush a little bit later as well, but I think Kate Bush kind of has an influence in the in the sort some of the sort of sound and um, in this in the album we're going to talk about as well. And a lot of the other bands that I was kind of thinking of, I got written down like the other bands I had that that I think are like um, dream pop, and a lot of them tend to be sort of um, you know female dominated or even have just like one female member which to be honest with you compared to a lot of like alternative music is um is a lot better if you like so i had like mazzy star written down i had lush this mortal coil and then also i had sort of galaxy 500 slow dive i also had like yola tango written down as all sort of dream pop based bands and yeah and then i also had like more mo maybe some more modern sort of versions of dream pop like um beach house i also had war paint and maybe even always now as, as sort of dream pop influence bands i i mean i definitely include always and and also like grouper yeah and beach house obviously like i felt yeah it's odd i think there might even be like a sort of unconscious bias where i sort of delineate yeah purely on the basis of gender perhaps because i listened to to galaxy 500 earlier a band that i've never sort of been been that into or able to sort of i'm just like because i've seen it listed as like you know some some of the greatest dream pop albums or whatever and i'm 
as soon as I hear it, I'm like, oh, this is she, guys. This isn't Dreamboat. And I think it's partly mm. just not being able to engage with those vocals because they sound sort of so sort of monotonous and, and dry or whatever. So, and but then I think I would I would include um, Slow Dive, I think, as a dream pop band yeah. because I think more so than My Bloody Valentine, they, they are emphasizing those sort of aspects. And uh, yeah, so I had Mazzy Star. Um, I had AR Kane as well, which was an interesting one because, mm. you know, I did I hadn't heard this band before and the sort of influences like soul and things like that, but still very much sort of leaning into that dream pop sound and very influential as well. Um, but I also had Broadcast as well, which is a band I really like. And yeah, same thing basically, but more of a, they have these sort of retro aesthetic ideas, this kind of sampling and um, this lo-fi aesthetic that kind of, a more sort of mechanized version or a, a different interpretation, but I still firmly put them in the sort of dream pop category. But yeah. I mean. Yeah. I, I listened to um, a bit of Mazzy star. I thought that would be a good thing as like something else to listen to. I would listen to, I think, I think the album's called so tonight that I might see. And um, it's interesting. Cause like, there's a lot of similarities, but um, certainly some differences from like the Cocteau twins in the album, um more sort of like acoustic guitars and stuff and and like blues rock sort of driven things but it still feels like it's got that sort of atmosphere and mood and and stuff um really good album actually um so yeah it's interesting that yeah there's there's definitely different um branches and 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 yeah definitely sort of it sort of fades into shoegaze i guess in the 90s a little bit i i also had sort of written down um like the influence of maybe like gothic post-punk like Susie Sue uh, and The Cure as well as being kind of dream pop or at least linked to the idea of sort of 80s dream pop. Yeah, and I think Cogdo Twins really went through all these different kind of stages as well. They're quite diverse. I mean, if you if you look at the albums, like perhaps the most famous albums like Treasure or Heaven or Las Vegas, they are very much firmly in a sort of aesthetic. But I mean, the influence of post-punk is like unbelievably clear and then later on you get the more sort of poppy sort of new wavy sort of sound so they um they do sort of uh they, they fit in well with those bands yeah so I, th I think heaven or las vegas is really the most sort of iconic and it, when people think of the band that's the kind of sound they're thinking of but they are quite diverse and quite good throughout their their career yeah the, the first the first song i ever listened to from cocktail twins was um uh, pearly dewdrops drops um which i think is which is a really good song but yeah it's got a slightly different um maybe slightly stranger feel to it than this, this um i guess we'll we're going to head towards talking to the album so i can't i'm not going to give loads away but like i guess it's got slightly more accessible and direct uh than those than that sort of sound from from the earlier stuff but um yeah i mean i'm excited to talk about the album because it's just so good Yeah, I think the gothic influence as well is really sort of 
perhaps lost on on this album more more so than others. It's got a very sort of it's got a strangely sort of kind of not not necessarily optimistic, but it's got this kind of blissful sort of fullness to it that I think uh, contrasts with you know some of the some of those other songs that are more gothic and and sort of doomy and, and you know I, yeah we'll get into the album I guess because I think that's all I have to say about Dream Pop I think really um yep what, <laughs> what do you want to say about the album yeah, I mean it's one of the, it's a funny one actually because it's one of those albums I think I thought I knew and I probably listened quite sporadically over the years to it and thought oh yeah I know that album and then you suggested it and um like a good boy I've listened to it every day and um just yeah I think I don't think I actually knew the album as well as I thought I did and I, yeah it's just so good um I guess they kind of like flesh out the sort of poppier side of of dream pop that they probably like hinted at a little bit at the in their earlier stuff and it and yeah like I said before it's it's a lot more direct and yeah I guess it's just like the sort of the high watermark for um for dream pop really it's um it's just brilliant. Um, yeah, I'm sure we're going to go into it in more detail. But yeah, that, my initial thought is that it's very, very good. Yeah, I mean, I was the same. When I suggested the album, I hadn't like... And I think it's the, the, the one of the bands you have to sort of sit with for a bit because you listen to an album or something and, and certain melodies sort of stick in in your mind or, or certain, you know, patterns of the of the sound. But like, you, do, you might not necessarily remember like what, you know, what song you listen to or what tracks you enjoyed or like you wouldn't have that great sense of like the whole album and stuff so I did, I did it was like coming to something new basically apart from the maybe the first track and the title track which are kind of yeah I mean the title track is, is definitely the, the most famous like yeah yeah I mean it's just yeah the, the whole thing's kind of just um sort of mesmerizing really it's full of sort of like um i think i read about dream pop that, that you know the, the, this idea that it's dream pop in general is more focused on like atmosphere and mood and and the ethereal sense than it is on sort of melody and but it's funny that this album is just full of sort of lush um i guess the hooks and melodies are obviously not conventional i guess but yeah it is kind of luxurious in that sense of um and yeah, Fraser's voice is just fantastic. I, I, I knew Fraser's voice quite well, I think, earlier from like, I think Teardrop, Massive Attack. And I always yeah. thought, obviously, great song. But um, yeah, something else. Um, and cast against these sort of like shimmering uh, guitar loops. And yeah, I guess you kind of use your voice as an instrument at times. It goes from the sort of the higher almost like squealy moments and then and then she uses it in so many different ways and obviously uh, you talked about her lyrics being kind of imperceptible at times it's kind of more about the kind of sound she creates sometimes in the lyrics she uses but then at other times on the album it, it becomes quite clear and there's, there's there's lyrics you pick up um that are fantastic so yeah i think the whole sound is something quite unique and yeah i guess i don't think actually there's any other dream pop band that ever got as as good as near to a, as sort of perfection as this is this is like they're kind of peerless in that sense mm. 
Yeah, and I think what what you get from the first few tracks on the album, it starts with Cherry Coloured Funk and that what we were saying about this kind of quality of not quite knowing it or, you know, tracks having this atmosphere that kind of carries through and stuff, you get these sort of oscillating um, sort of guitar, almost this tremolo sort of reverb soaked guitars that they sort of reappear throughout the album basically is that same sort of sustained sound obviously with different rhythms and more different sort of uh fretting laid on top and stuff but the the basic sort of style of guitar playing and, and effects that this started on this song sort of carries through and yes yeah, it's, it's very much this sort of ethereal sort of wavy sort of but slightly kind of I don't know how you describe it. It almost sounds like a synthesizer or something. It's got this very much like um, it's almost the stuttering sort of into the ethereal sort of quality. That's um, and I love the first track because you get the start with, with this, you know, this lead guitar, and then Elizabeth Fraser's voice kind of does as she does through through some of the songs in the album. It's this kind of deeper, almost more sort of conversational sort of tone, or you're just listening to it, and it's kind of building up in the verse and then and then it breaks out into her sort of very sort of incredibly sort of high pitched sort of sustained vocals and and you know it's kind of it's almost piercing but it's still like so sort of beautiful and you've never even it's sort of like it's, it is peerless in a way you've never heard anything like it and and the mixing of the vocals I love how the sort of slightly overlap as they lead into the chorus it's got the sense of interplay and, and this sort of ghostly quality of her sort of coming back. And yeah, I absolutely adore the melody on, on Cherry Colored Funk. It's great. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Completely right. Yeah. Just yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I think I used the word shimmering before, but yeah, shimmering guitars. And, and yeah, the way her voice breaks out in, in, the, in the chorus is, is brilliant. And, yeah, I guess we're going to probably going to talk about the guitars and the and the and the vocals quite a lot. But I think as you go into that second track, which is "Pitch the Baby," and then um, again, it's got a sort of distorted guitar loop, um, and then the vocals again are fantastic. But it's also got this like really brilliant sort of like almost funky bassline that really um, holds tight. And I think throughout a lot of the tracks on the album, it's probably maybe keeps it keeps it together or grounds it i guess is a good way of of saying it um but the bass on the second track i think is fantastic and again you get the the vocals that you know she's kind of like i think she's sort of speaking to her daughter in this one um and you get the sort of i only want to love you chorus which um yeah it's like it's got this kind of hypnotic sense and you you, you can the sort of clarity of that lyric is is great it's, it's interesting which lyrics become clear in the in the songs and um yeah there's, there's also something quite danceable to that track as well i think yeah you said before the first two or three tracks are um great it is ironic that the second track is more funky than than cherry colored funk but it does have this sort of very indelible sort of bass line that's quite sharp and quite clear and i think the you know you can i think you can generalize the genre and the band as sort of this ethereality and stuff, but they're, they're so purposeful with what, uh, for example, like what, which instruments are, 
you know are clear or which ones are soaked in reverb etc like the drum the drum beat in the song is also incredibly clear and sort of the sort of sustaining thing that, that does you know perhaps a shoegaze band wouldn't you know mix this in the same way so you get this this more poppy sense and this this more listenable sort of quality that gives the track that sort of pop edge that real sort of very immediate quality that, that isn't lost by the sort of more ethereal aspects of, of the songwriting and, and the mixing etc so yeah and i think yeah the the ways in which um elizabeth fraser manages to sort of oh it's, it's a bit of a cliche saying a voice is like an instrument or whatever but but aside from you know that what you see in teardrop and what you see in the choruses of of cherry colored funk etc that kind of really high pitch sort of perhaps the, the most showy is about vocal she's also very good at using it as a sort of this the sort of droning quality of like repeating and almost this kind of yeah just this very rhythmic quality to some of her lyrics not her lyrics because you don't really know what she's saying but to her vocals that the the sort of patternings of it are quite um quite intoxicating and kind of weird and and sometimes there's this sort of this very strange obviously they're all kind of incomprehensible in a way but there's this kind of um this alienness to some of them as well that's kind of not just in in how the lyrics can't be can't be understood but it's also in the sound of them and and, and the sort of the ambition she has and, and where she wants to go with them it's kind of yeah yeah i think yeah i agree with that sort of yeah there's, there's a kind of repetitive um nature to it and and, and you, you mentioned before the sort of the guitar tones that kind of feature again in the album and, and there is that sort of it's both kind of fluid and, and also kind of like cyclical you you see things popping up again and you can sort of get lost in the album a little bit in, in the ways that the songs sort of um sort of blend into one another and and also like the repeated lyrics like the amount of times that the the word cherry or or, or the color cherry if you like is um is repeated on different tracks and stuff and that there is that sort of I guess it's kind of playful but um yeah it works really well and there's definitely um it's very sort of coherent i guess in that sense and on ice um ice blink look which is the i think was one of the singles as well um you get that you get the, the word cherry and then again you've got these sort of um the opening synths are are really great they sound like a lot of they seem like they've influenced a lot of sort of indie pop nowadays you get you kind of hear that sound in a, a lot of things and um yeah it's just another great track i get i guess i've not got that much to say about it but yeah again the same sort of formula works so well and um yeah i guess like i was saying before they can it, it's probably as accessible as they've sounded on a track like that um and as direct and as um immediate i think you said before it's a good way of putting it as they've sounded mm. yeah i think well yeah the album in general is the kind of i think that the access point really i think there's something i don't know it's hard to articulate but the kind of the kind of las vegas thing and the kind of the sense of understanding of the lyrics on some some lines etc i think sort of differentiates it a bit from this kind of 
this this kind of gothic or this other world of like some of their other albums etc i think something about heaven or las vegas is something that's, that's quite an endearing quality and it's kind of that that the distinctness of that sound means it can be sort of applied to like almost anything really it's quite a yeah kind of atmospheric album and a kind of emotive album that even if there's certain abstractions within i think the the choice to have sort of ideas about very sort of human sort of ambitions and stuff like the las vegas stuff and and some of the lyrics that do pop out about about you know children and all things like that i think yeah it, it gives it this more grounded quality and this more like i don't know i wouldn't say it's like a particularly personal album but it has that more relatable sort of quality i don't know how to quite put into words i don't know yeah no i think it definitely does respect yeah especially compared to their um their other work and yeah the the sort of um maybe some of the struggles that the band were going through at the time like um addiction and also and motherhood's not necessarily a struggle but you know um this idea of, of a young child and addressing them and stuff there's definitely elements to um um to that that is maybe more relatable and stuff yeah i think so um trying to think of other tracks that i mean i, mean, I know the um the title track is one yeah i mean that it's just it's i guess it's kind of like the centerpiece of the album as well because it's like the, you know it's the kind of the fifth track and i think it's one of everyone's favorites and you know one of the great sort of examples of of fraser's vocals sort of like melting into sort of like brilliance in the chorus it's just um brilliant especially after the more kind of restrained start and it's slightly slower guitars and stuff um yeah such a good song Yeah, I mean, from the opening riff, it kind of has the, is, or perhaps because it is such a famous and song and such an iconic song, I think. But as soon as you hear it, it's kind of just got this brilliant, just amazingly memorable quality. And, and, and yeah, the repeated chorus that's kind of, it's, it's an, I don't know, it's, it's got a less, I mean, perhaps it's like the most sort of almost like, singable sort of chorus that they have like i still don't think i quite know what the lyrics are for like you know the second part of the the hook or, or whatever but i think yeah it's very hard to so it's it's definitely got the one of the most memorable choruses that i did and yeah just i don't know that line it must be heaven or las vegas it's kind of yeah, I think the the more the optimism of the album and this and the sense of rebirth and sort of regeneration and this kind of like yeah, the the way that the lyrics are sort of springing out of this more sustained and more unknowable sort of alien theoriality, etc. It's kind of it's just a just an amazing song to listen to and sort of rightfully them the most famous song, I think. It's it's incredible. It's got 
I think it, it works so well as the centerpiece of the album as well. It's kind of the perfect length and and it's got this grandiosity to it that some of them, the songs leading up to it don't have that are more sort of blending in and providing this atmosphere. This is when they're really not not afraid to sort of go big and, and really hit it with the, the melody and the lyrics. Yeah, I mean, talking about perfect length, I was just going to say that how sort of compact and, and brilliant the the fact you've got 10 tracks, um, 37 minutes, I think, or something like that. And um, I think we can all get behind the fact that it's pretty much um, as close to perfection as you get. And doesn't 37 minutes, I think, is the perfect amount of time for an album. That is. No more, no less. That is the greatest album length, I think. Yeah, it's just it just works so well. I mean, 35 is too short, easily. I mean, then when you get yeah. to 39 or something, it's just like, oh, my God switched off switched yeah. off for two minutes yeah we can't we can't listen to albums longer than that here no. i think i think it's a, a testament though to the success of the of the album and imbalancing the sort of the hypnotic side to the sounds and also the sort of enjoyability and the and the and the coherence of the whole thing though that they've got it you know in the just sort of 10 tracks and, and 37 minutes is you know, I think other bands or and other albums of theirs, are, uh, you know, obviously, obviously most al- albums are longer than that and, and don't quite um, get the balance right a lot of the time. Um, but this one definitely, um, definitely does. Yeah, and I feel like when on this song where they start getting towards the end and they're sort of almost doing these sort of guitar solos almost, it does sound like if you were to have like a radio hit out of a Cocteau Twins song, it would be it. But then they never sort of re, re repeat that sort of realm on the album. It is kind of this this midpoint and the centerpiece that kind of then goes back to the sort of the other tunes and yeah, it's great. And I think yeah, I mean that that and maybe like the last track on the album or something have these these very sort of interesting structures where you get to a more sort of a slower build and, and a kind of this outburst of song that kind of sort of reiterates the the themes of the album, etc. Yeah, yeah. I mean, last tracks, last tracks, just so good. Through 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 foxes in midsummer fires is one of the best track names <laughs> there is, and um, yeah, I think might be my favorite actually. Just so like it's like climactic and um, and brilliant, and it, yeah, again, it's got this sort of like whispers and and it's quite quiet, and then eruption into that sort of chorus is like it's sort of like it's like a sort of weird it's it's really quite hard to actually describe the sort of, sort of technical uh, um rhythms of the, of the of the sort of words that she's using it's so good and and um it's beyond my description um but uh yeah just a, another fantastic track and so are the ones i think in between i, I don't think um, you know, I, I like like uh, Fossil Politic and and um, Road River and Rail. I think they're all, um, you know, worthy and, and they they pull off what they're, what they're trying to do really well. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have much more to say on the album. I don't think it's. Um, yeah, it's got this kind of this this sense of, I think. It's always weird to me when things are described as like cinematic or whatever, because you can't really have something that's 
like another medium to a certain extent i mean it's, it's obviously song but like the, the yeah there's something about you can understand why this album and and this sound was you know quite important to a lot of people and how it does sort of magnify and sort of present this kind of this brilliant sort of version of, of, of sort of yearning and yeah and birth and things like that and kind of it's just a sort of magnificent sound and it's kind of particular to a certain place and time that can't it almost can't be sort of replicated in a way like obviously you get bands that are, that are replicating the same sound but but it, this this band sort of came at a perfect time between those sort of the gothic post-punk and then moving into shoegaze etc that kind of yeah it's a it's just a wonderful sound and and it's always uh fun to return to and also album artwork again stand out i think it does yeah i mean the sort of like magical colorful thing that kind of um yeah definitely links well to the sort of sounds and texture of the album so yeah it's another uh louis favorite album artwork well it's uh, so simple yeah and it's like one of those things again that's just hard to describe about the band right it's just like but it's so succinctly sort of points towards their sound and what they're trying to do. It's just, yeah, just that sense of theoriality and just being slightly sort of slow motion and, and wavy and weird. It's kind of, it's just two lines basically. And it's just about the blur and the texture, etc. Yeah. I mean, you can't beat them. Cocteau Twins, amazing band, amazing album. Yep. Absolutely fantastic. Definitely, uh, definitely recommended. And yeah, there you go. I've, I've got a little quiz for us to finish. That's good. I've named this quiz Heaven or Las Vegas. Okay. So I'm going to give you three descriptions um, of a place, and I want you to tell me whether that place is Heaven or Las Vegas. Okay. Okay. Number one, uh, there is no time here. Time is limited by the universe. Where do you think that could be? I guess that's heaven. Yeah, that is heaven. Well done. Very well done. Number two, uh, has mansions where we will dwell with Jesus? I think that's, well, I mean, it's well, weird. It's weird. No, 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 obviously, I think it's heaven. Yeah, I'm just going to heaven, but. It, yeah, it is heaven. Well done. Um, thought I'd cut you out on that one, but. No, I just have not. problems with the, the quotation. I was like, why? The mansions, I don't know. Um, and number three, let's see if you can get this one. Known primarily for its gambling, shopping, fine dining, entertainment, and nightlife. Wow. I'm going to go Las Vegas for that one. Yeah, very well done. Yeah, three out of three there, mate. Well done. I, I have to say, I don't think that was a particularly difficult quiz. <laughs> but well, I did enjoy taking part. Yeah, you say that now you've finished it, but yeah, it's only it's only easy if you know the answers. Mm, yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, I think I'm... that's got to be up there with one of the most rushed quizzes I've done on the, uh, <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, no one no one noticed until you said that. But no, well, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think it does the album any justice, but um... no, I think more thought went into the album to be honest, but. It's it, it, it yeah, it's probably close. It's probably yeah. pretty close between the two. Mm. So, I mean, where would you prefer to go, Louis? Heaven or Las Vegas? 
I think Las Vegas first, yeah. then heaven. You can't really go to Las doing Vegas it the other way, afterwards. Yeah, doing it the other way around is is more logistically difficult. I've heard, but mm. um, yeah. Fair play. That's that's it. That's I guess that's it from us. Really, that's so we've got to say. I don't know how, how long we've been yeah. on, or, but we yeah are. yeah. We'll see you all um, next time when it'll be my choice. So maybe we'll do another topic. You never know. Oh my god, could could be back back into the form. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you can think of one, Louis, just yeah. I'll give it a think. Okay. Thank you for listening, everyone. Goodbye.